I'm Stephanie Valoris, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director and my good friend, Glenn O'Donnell, to discuss how the ongoing chip shortages could impact your AI plans. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you. Great to be here again. So one place that I actually want to start is on the chip shortage itself. I think some people might be surprised to hear that there's a chip shortage. Maybe set some context about why there's a chip shortage and where it is specifically, because, you know, based on conversations we've had and also the research that's about to come out, it's really about the type of chip where there's a shortage. Yeah, exactly. And for a while, uh, we did have a chip glut. And, and what happens is, you know, the semiconductor market rides the wave of the general economy. So, you know, during the pandemic, uh, for example, everybody was out there buying new PCs. So there was a big demand for PCs. And everybody, you know, what happened was we needed more chips and we, re- we wound up having a chip shortage. And, you know, after that, we had what I keep calling the hangover. Uh, the economic hangover where the economy went into the tank and more people weren't buying new PCs because they already had a new PC and a lot of other products that needed chips kind of went on the back burner. So, you know, the supply was, uh, was, was still there, but the demand had dropped and therefore we wound up with a bit of a chip glut. And, and that's turning around now because demand is returning um, and, and we have a lot of other uh, factors playing into this. But, you know, the main reason that uh, demand is returning now is all this craziness about AI and how that's exploding. But we also have geopolitical issues that have, uh, have come into play that uh, are changing the landscape. And, you know, now uh, there's just there's just more demand for uh, for technology in general. We see that returning pretty aggressively. So the glut is over. But you mentioned that some chips more than others. Uh, I like to talk about this bifurcation of the market where we have high end chips. And this Mm. is stuff that gets all the attention. Right. This is uh, the, the GPUs from NVIDIA and the microprocessors from Intel and AMD. Uh, that's the advanced stuff. We talk about, uh, you know, advanced manufacturing. And yeah, that's a, that should be getting a lot of attention. But there's a long tail of other chips, these little chips, uh, small microcontrollers and sensors and analog chips and so on. Uh, these are cheap chips. They're small chips and we need an awful lot of them. There, that demand has been around, uh, has been strong throughout this period, and uh, that did not suffer any kind of, uh, you know, deficit as we went along. So we've always had a chip shortage on those chips, and and that's still continuing. Okay, so the chip shortage we're talking about now really is on those high end chips that we're talking yes. about. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. And like you said, it is cyclical. It depends on the economy and how much, um, you know, IT buyers are buying core infrastructure and the hyperscalers, I imagine, as well. So, and we have covered this issue in the past. What's different now, this time around, with this particular shortage? Well, you see um, you see more demand around AI, and it's not only creating demand for, say, NVIDIA. NVIDIA is the hottest thing in the world right now. Right. <laughs> and it's a $1.2 trillion company, which is just kind of crazy. 
Um, but uh, that's been getting all the attention, as well as the other uh, large chip makers have been. But you also have the cloud players, you mentioned them, they're building their own chips. Uh, you know, Microsoft recently announced that it has its own chips for doing AI workloads. And um, uh, uh, that's powering its new co-pilot services and such. Um, so there's just a whole lot more diversity in the marketplace as far as what kind of chips. Uh, you know, Apple famously started making its own chips and the Qualcomm processors are starting to show up uh, in more devices. So it's no longer, a, a, you know, a vanilla kind of uh, marketplace. Uh, but it is AI and more specifically generative AI that is uh, driving the demand right now. And of course, all the chip makers want to want to uh, play that and all the products that the chips go into, the Dells and HPs and HPEs and Lenovo's of the world, for example, are, are all trying to position their products as being AI ready. But that means you have to buy new products that require new chips. Okay. So, so the AI explosion is exacerbating it. Um, yes. Then, then you also hear about, you know, new fabs being built. So chip makers are adding capacity, but how quickly is that capacity coming online? It's taking a while because, uh, you know, number one, it takes a long time to build one of these fabs, one of these manufacturing facilities. Uh, they're massive facilities. They're very, very complex. They require a lot of equipment that is not easily acquired. Um, so, for example, there's uh, uh, so-called photolithography machines that are necessary. And for the advanced chips, there's only one company in the world, ASML, out of the Netherlands, that makes those things. So, you know, they can only make so many machines and you have to put these into the fabs. So it takes a long time to build these things. Uh, and it's been delayed partially because of the economy, partially because of uh, their own supply issues like ASML. And, uh, you know, we're finally starting to see some of that come together, but you know, it's still going to take a while. They only broke ground recently on some of these things. And, uh, you know, we won't see a serious uh, material impact until 2025. And, and then talk a bit about the geopolitical issues as well. I mean, that's another thing that everybody reads about in the news every single day, which is the U.S. is putting curbs on specific chips uh, that might be sold to China to curtail some of their ambitions in AI, particularly AI that might be used in a military context. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you do see a lot of that. And in fact, uh, the, the CHIPS Act, which is a big piece of legislation that uh, passed here in the U.S. some time ago, is mainly aimed at that topic. Now, some people will say, well, it, the, the aim of the CHIPS Act is to diversify the supply chain. And yes, that is true. But the main issue is uh, the U.S. government wants chips to be made in the U.S., not to be made in other countries. And uh, they've got all these incentives for the chip makers to build facilities here in the U.S. And the European Union has similar legislation and similar incentives to uh, to bring things there. Uh you know, that's going to certainly help uh, with the supply because we'll have more fabs and they will be more distributed and that uh, supply chain will be more resilient because of that geographic diversity. Um, but it's in the meantime, the, the trade war is complicating things for the chip makers. Uh, so, you know, for example, NVIDIA, we've been talking about, 
it's been restricted on what it can sell to China because you know China can use those chips for military purposes. Um, that has impacted uh, NVIDIA, but you know, don't shed any tears for NVIDIA. It's got demand elsewhere. Getting back to the chips, and we kind of talked about the distinction between the low-end chips and the high-end chips, um, and really we're talking about shortages or supply chain pressures around the high-end chips. But even within the high-end chips, we're, we're talking about specialized chips now, right? You might have high-end chips for, I mean, even high-performance computing, but then chips are being designed specifically for AI workloads, being optimal for AI workloads. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about, again, the impact AI specifically on this issue of the chip shortage. Yeah, certainly. And again, everybody talks about NVIDIA as being synonymous with AI. Right. Uh, you know, you got this word association. Uh, I say AI, you say NVIDIA. It's, <laughs> it's almost a knee-jerk reaction. But, you know, NVIDIA's products, they're great products and it's a great company, but the GPUs are still general purpose devices. They're not optimized for AI. They certainly are better at it than a, a standard CPU that you get, an x86 type CPU from Intel or AMD. But it's still a general purpose device. And what you see now, especially with the cloud players right now, you know, making their own chips and they're optimized for whatever they're trying to do. So Google has its TensorFlow uh, algorithms and its Tensor processor optimized for those algorithms. And you're going to see more of that. And Microsoft is the most recent entry into that field. And as this plays forward, you're going to see more and more of this customization of the chips. Um, you know, not, and not just by the uh, the big tech giants. Uh, eventually, you're going to see that play out in all kinds of companies where you will have customizable chips. And when we think about the outlook, right, we, we do know that new manufacturing facilities are coming online. There's a diversity of players now that we never had in the past. But I think what we're predicting, though, is that in the short term, at least for the next couple of years, or maybe less than that, um, you know, there is going to be some limited chip availability. And yes. Okay. Yeah. And what exactly is that time frame? Like how, how long do we think this um, shortage will last? Well, we're going to continue to have a drought throughout 2024. And I, probably early to mid 2025 is when some of this manufacturing capacity comes on, comes online in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, we will see incremental improvements throughout 2024, but it's not going to be until some of these new fabs come online that uh, you know Intel and TSMC and some others are are building. That's when you'll see the capacity finally catch up, and that's when things will will really settle in. So that's the time frame we're looking at, and we'll see it continue to to improve because more fabs will come on during 2025 and six and seven and so on. Okay. In the in the short term, I mean, when I think about AI and specifically like generative AI, co companies are really just uh, embracing it now and piloting it now and looking for different opportunities in everywhere from customer service with chatbots to employee productivity and um, maybe using AI to like amplify and drive some insights into the organization. What do we think will will be the impact of this? Like, how much do we think it'll temper some of the ambitions that companies actually do have around AI? And is that different for your average enterprise versus what the hyperscalers might be, might be experiencing? 
Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, you know, there's so much there's so much enthusiasm around AI right now, um, but there's only a, a you know so much you can do. Um, so the the ambitions for AI are uh, are unlimited, but the the capability to pull off those ambitions has has indeed kind of hasn't hit a wall, but it's kind of brushing against that wall right now. And that means that people are going to have to be more pragmatic and, and prioritize what they're going to try to do. And, and that applies to enterprises, but it also applies to even to the cloud providers. You know, you think these cloud providers have absolutely unlimited uh, capacity. Well, they don't. Uh, and they're struggling to get enough chips, whether they're NVIDIA chips or their own chips. Um, again, there are only a few companies in the world that make these chips. So, um, you know, they have limitations. So everybody's going to have to kind of settle down and be more pragmatic about what it is they're going to do with AI in the future. The cloud providers, I mean, it's interesting. I, I imagine because of their heft, do they use that to create priority for themselves with some of these suppliers and have some of them, um, knowing that there's a shortage, knowing that there's such demand, like have they also been buying up a whole bunch of chips? They have been buying up a lot of chips. They've been stockpiling. Yeah. And even in, in even you see a lot of that in China where the Chinese companies have been stockpiling because they see that, all right, we're not going to be able to get these chips in the future. So let's, let's buy up a zillion of them right now while we can. Um, but, you know, eventually that, that is even going to, uh, uh, peter out at some point, you know, we're going to, we're going to run in, you know, we're going to use all that up essentially. Um, so I, I don't see that, I don't see that, uh, you know, until we get more capacity that we're really going to relieve that tension. Um, you, know, you yes, the, the cloud players, because of their size, they do have enormous purchasing power. Uh, but, you know, you can't get blood from a stone. Uh, if they need more chips, you're just not going to be able to get them. Okay. So if we were to give advice then to CIOs, other tech leaders about, about this, like what, what can they do? Prioritize your AI uh, ambitions. Uh, you know, again, everybody gets all excited. Oh, we're going to, we're going to use AI for this and we're going to use AI for mm -hmm. that. And everybody's just going crazy about it. And, and, you know, the, the, the craze is understandable. It's exciting. It's powerful. But um, if you if you could only pick three things, what three things would those be? Instead of the you know the twenty or thirty that people may be coming to you to uh, to deploy, uh, because it's going to be easier to focus on those three, and it's going to be easier to get the capacity for those three that you want to do. Yeah. So prioritize. I'd also imagine that's not also not necessarily a bad tech strategy either, right? Rather than trying to do 20 things, do three things that you're really passionate about, meaning that it's going to have a huge impact for your business or your organization, whoever it might be, you know, pilot those, gain the experience. And then in one to two years, as the capacity comes online and the supply chains start to ease, then you'll have the ability to then buy and be ready to really, really go full scale. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, this is nothing new. We've seen this this whole thing play out before, where everybody goes crazy over some you know latest shiny object, and um, you know you got to prioritize. You can't do it all. Yeah, but back to the the competition. I mean, now that we actually do have multiple chip makers, um, you know, for example, like we, we were just saying, 
there's new processors incorporating circuitry aimed at improving AI processing. Um, how has like Microsoft's entry into this changed the competitive landscape, and how does that impact the CIO? Like, what does that me- actually mean for the CIO? Well, one thing it means is, um, you know, NVIDIA has had a stranglehold on this marketplace and it's going to continue to be the big dog in the fight. No doubt. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a massive force, but it, you know, what, what you see here is Microsoft, Google, AWS, uh, you know, other cloud players, and even other tech players like Apple, uh, you know, kind of chipping away at, uh, at that complete stranglehold that NVIDIA has on the AI marketplace. So, um, you know, it's, it's, probably going to take a little bit of the shine off of NVIDIA. Um, but for CIOs, uh, you know, it, it means that you have more choice and you have some more, uh, you know, looking at the uh, the services from Microsoft, they are going to be optimized for what you want to do. Uh, it's going to be you know, purely aimed at things like Copilot. Uh, as opposed to general purpose AI and, uh, and and running some of the open AI algorithms and such that uh, have been become part of Microsoft even beyond just the copilot. That's also important like, as we've been talking about these chips are being de- designed specifically for hooks into AI and improving their processing and other um, and other results. Th- that's a change, right? I mean, I, I think for the it's been a long time since we even talked about the importance of chips. I think for a long time, people that just thought of it as, as something completely commoditized. So that's a big shift. So I don't know recently if I can think of a time when CIOs really thought about the chip in any of the infrastructure that they were purchasing. Yeah. And in fact, we here at Forrester, as you're well aware, we haven't really in the past, we hadn't done much on chips because, well, it was kind of a boring marketplace. Um, There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot happening beyond uh, a couple of the leaders and everything was running on these general purpose devices because it could. Uh, but now as we see the changes in things like AI or other uh, application specific uh, needs, we need more power and we need more power per watt. And this is something that's important to consider uh, is you know how efficient can these chips be? If you got a chip that's doing everything, a general purpose type of device, it's burning a lot of power doing things that you don't need it to do. Um, but so you have you have the efficiency issue, uh, and then you also have the, of course, the optimized uh, functionality. Yeah, in the past we could look at it and say, kind of compare it to the automotive industry, where okay, everybody's getting an SUV. Well, what if you want a sports car? What if you need to haul big, uh, big quantities of of dirt? Uh, you know, th- there are specialized vehicles to do that, and. Just as we have in the automotive industry, we need specialized vehicles to run these various workloads. Okay. So so that's new then. So really, it's not just the economics, but now it is the technology itself has to really, CIOs really have to take it into account when they're developing their tech strategy, not their strategy, but their architecture, certainly. Yeah, and and CIOs don't necessarily buy chips themselves. Right, uh, they buy products with chips in them, so they have to go to their 
their suppliers. They, they have to go to Dell and to HPE and you know tell them, hey, we need uh, we need a certain capability to do this or that. And it's up to them to supply that capability. And you're seeing some of that now with the partnerships that those companies have with NVIDIA, but also what you see coming from AMD and Intel uh, as far as, uh, you know, additional capabilities that they're putting into the chips. And, um, you know, each of these system players that CIOs do buy from, uh, they're they're forming these partnerships and they're diversifying their own product line. But they have not yet gone the path of optimized processors. Uh, At some point they will, but they haven't yet. And there's no, there's really no way for them to, to do this at scale yet. Um, they will in the future have the capability to have chips that will be programmable. And I think that's when you'll see this really take off, but that's several years away. In essence, you reprogram the chip to do what you want it to do and it'll be optimized for that. Even though it's, you know, you and I have the same chip, but we've programmed it to do different things. Interesting. Okay. So, We've talked about, you know, moderating your AI ambitions or maybe even taking advantage of this this time to just focus and pilot and learn some lessons and best practices. We talked about the importance of really thinking about the hooks that the chips now have into AI and how that impacts your tech strategy. And it sounds like potentially who you partner with in your vendor selection. Any any last recommendations for, for CIOs and tech leaders? Well, you know, I, I touched on the... Uh, the efficiency and the sustainability factors, uh, which is driving a lot of this as well. And CIOs, uh, CIOs have to take a serious look at their sustainability, their carbon footprint, uh, because technology itself consumes a lot of electrical power. Uh, it has a big carbon footprint. And these chips, uh, especially the general purpose chips, burn a lot of power. You know, this high-end uh, NVIDIA processor burns 700 watts. That, that'll heat a small room. Well, more than a small room. That's that's a decent space heater. Uh, and, you know, you need a lot of these things. The cloud providers are buying them by tens of thousands. And uh, we need a more efficient way of doing this. So having a chip that's optimized to do what it needs to do, no more, no less, means it's going to uh, burn less power, generate less heat. And uh, that's a trend that you're going to see play out uh, pretty heavily over the next few years. And it's the CIOs have a fundamental responsibility to drive a lot of that initiative. Yeah, it's interesting. According to our own data, the role of IT in a company's scope one and scope two emissions is, is as much as 20 to 25% of their emissions. And then actually in some industries like financial services, I've seen it as high as 55%. So yes, it's a huge, huge impact. Yeah. And you can't just pawn this off on the cloud providers and say, it's their problem, not mine, because that is your scope to emission. That's, uh, it's still your responsibility because you're, 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 you're the one burning the power to do what you need it to do. Yeah. Well, actually, in that case, it would be scope three, but it's still scope three. Yeah, Yeah. it'll be your scope three for sure. Well, fantastic, Lynn. That's some some great advice. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. It's always, always a pleasure. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, 
or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.